Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Conversations with Event Leaders. This audio series is all about sitting down with event planners and hearing their stories and getting some tips and advice that you can employ in all of your event planning endeavors. My name is Radian Huck and today I sit down with my brother Olif. This episode is a really good one. Um, we start off by talking about his experience being the president of the UNICEF student group at York University. That segment of this episode went a bit longer than I expected, but I'm really glad it did because he shared some interesting marketing ideas that you can employ if you're part of a student organization or if you're part of a smaller organization within the broader community that has very limited budgets and resources. We then went on to talk about his webinar events that he runs as part of his sidekick and sort of the software and tools that he uses to make sure that it's a great experience for everyone involved. Finally, we talked about a small event that he ran in Toronto recently that was held at a very unique venue. I think this episode is going to be a really good one. Um, lots of great content and substance here, so I hope you enjoy. Please excuse any awkward laughters. Um, I'll be honest, I sort of initiate most of the awkward laughters through my comments and actions, but with that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, okay, um, okay no, we're not even starting over now, we're just going to keep on going with this. Uh, so first of all, hi, thank you for being a part of this. Hey, thanks for I would appreciate it. <laughs> It's really weird talking to you like this. I know you're laughing a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> you're almost okay. awkward at this. Yo, shut the heck up. Okay, so. All right, so um, so maybe we can start off by just like introducing yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Uh, sort of like the past projects you've been involved in. Uh, specifically for student organizations and how I ran them, or. Yeah, we're talking about past projects. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um. So my name is Leaf. I recently graduated York University, working full time downtown Toronto, uh, doing an HR role at this company called Wilson HCG. But I guess why I'm here in this podcast right now is because uh, during my time at York University, I ran a student student organization called UNICEF at York U, where I was responsible for managing about fifteen volunteers, a team of fifteen. Um, through various events, fundraising events, things of that nature throughout the whole year in order to fundraise a certain amount to donate to children in need. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay, cool. Uh, so today I want to talk about three things. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is sort of like your experience at UNICEF. Uh, UNICEF York U. Yeah, UNICEF at York U. Yeah, you got it right. Uh, the second thing is like um, webinar events, right? Because that's, I mean, that's kind yeah. of interesting. So I want to talk about the logistics of that. For sure. The last thing I really want to talk about um, and really spend a little bit more time on uh, with an event that you held in Toronto called the Inside Out Sessions. Yeah, it's called Inside Out. Uh, we didn't have a name for it, so we called it Session 2. Session or two. 1 or 2, depending on which one we want to talk about. Okay, yeah, so we'll touch on that at the end. I think that's where a lot of uh, good knowledge can stem from. Let's start with UNICEF, right? Um, I know back in the day when you were still a part of that, uh, you and I, we had a lot of conversations um, talking about leadership and everything, right? So I want to start there, sort of like, tell me about your role at UNICEF, like what was your position and what did that sort of entail? Yeah, so it was a volunteer role, um, you know, part of any clubs during your time at university. It was one of those. It was pretty fun. Um, during my especially, specifically fifth year at university, I was the president of the student organization. And just to give you a rundown of what UNICEF at York U, my club, did, was uh, we, our goal essentially was to raise money in order to donate the money for children in need. Um, we would give the money in a form of a check to UNICEF Canada, who would then use that money we fundraised and, you know, spread it out between their various initiatives and whatnot. So my goal was to, you know, run events, run fundraising events, things of that nature, uh, in order to increase the amount of fundraising we can get to donate it by the end of the year. 
um, that's what I was doing. I was in charge of, again, like I said before, 15 volunteers. There were executive members. Each had a different role within the organization. And I had to use them all differently depending on which event I'm running, what type of event I'm running, and what my, I guess, needs were of the organization. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, how, how did that relationship work between you guys, the student organization at York University, and UNICEF as a not-for-profit, well, not I'm assuming? Uh, yeah, it's not profit. So um, basically, my student organization was a chapter underneath UNICEF Canada. Um, so they were a little ambiguous at first about the details of how, what our relationship would, relationship would be. Um, but essentially what they told us is, hey, just do stuff, fundraise, and give us the money. That, that's essentially what the relationship was, as ambiguous as that sounds. That's pretty much what it was. It was a little frustrating to work with. but It sounds so rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it, it was a little blurry at the beginning, but then you know there's a new rep. <laughs> there's a new rep. <laughs> Are you okay, Ready? Yeah, it was a little blurry at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was a little blurry. The guidelines were pretty blurry. Um, but you know, as second semester came in, a new rep from Units of Canada approached us, and she was more structured and detailed with what their needs were of us. And yeah, it worked out in the end. Okay, so like you said, like sort of you guys were a chapter under UNICEF Canada. Uh, so the other chapters, were they all just post-secondary institutions, like student organizations at other universities and colleges or what? Yeah, exactly. So there's a chapter at York University. There'd be a chapter at University of Toronto. Um, there'd be another chapter at Ryerson University. Yeah. Okay. And like what resources did they give you? <laughs> uh, they gave us banners, pamphlets, brochures, marketing materials, and I think they give us a little bit of funding. I think the biggest thing that they give us was the brand itself. You know, when you advertise UNICEF uh, on the streets of campus, <laughs> streets of campus, uh, whenever you advertise UNICEF on campus, people just roll right in and they just want to join and help because the brand is pretty well known out there. So I think that was the biggest thing that helped us with our success. Okay. And like, how about like any like human capital kind of stuff? Like, do they give you people, like knowledge? Uh, no, they give us some knowledge. Um, at first they just came and kind of gave us brochures, pamphlets of what this organization wants and that's pretty much it. And I was left to like figure out the details all by myself and creating structure within that. But if I wanted the human capital, like people to help me or volunteers, uh, I'd have to find them myself. Okay. Yeah. And like sort of like, um, you know, you mentioned that at first it was very blurry what the goals were <laughs> and then they got like a new sales rep, no, not a sales rep, a new rep um, who helped sort of clear things up with you uh were there like did they tell you okay these are our kpis this is our this is what we're measuring for success we need you guys to hit this 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 and this uh yeah it's a good question so uh, honestly speaking they didn't really give us a kpi they didn't say you need to fundraise this amount of this amount of money or else we're gonna kick your club out or something like that uh it was all again all up to us on how we wanted to operate so often what i would do is i would set goals for our team myself just so um they had guidelines my team would had had guidelines on how to operate even though i had to make them up um i think that's what really kept us in line okay yeah so setting my own goals setting my own kpis okay so it seems like you did a lot of the work, right? Like you guys as a student organization, you, you did a lot of the work. So, uh, so I guess, <laughs> no, like, so my follow-up question to that is like, why? Like, why don't you just operate as like an independent student-run organization with like a, your own branding, your own name and, and stuff? Like, why do it under UNICEF? I guess it's more of like a question of like your own personal sense of purpose more than anything. Okay, um... 
Uh, just to answer your question, so, you know, I wanted to be involved with UNICEF and UNICEF chapter at York University was the only thing out there. I mean, I definitely could have started my own club and maybe it wouldn't probably be UNICEF, it'd probably be something else. But back then, specifically, I was focused on UNICEF and I wanted to help UNICEF. So that's why I joined the UNICEF chapter at York University. Okay. So when you're like sort of putting together your team, I, I would assume like as like the president of yep, UNICEF, president. Uh, York Youth, um, sort of your role more than anything is leading that team. So when you're putting together like this infrastructure necessary to have um, good cohesion within your team members, what types of like softwares and tools that you use to sort of help, you know, introduce effective communication and, and collaboration yeah this is one of the biggest questions we had when it first started with the organization um the question we had and i was working with my vice president at that time on this was what is a tool or a method of communication that can keep every everyone consistent with their messaging uh be able to like you know assign assign tasks and keep everyone organized uh we went through various things so for example a asana or um uh, what's that, what's the other one <laughs> like trello yeah trello asana um there's another one what, Slack? Slack, yeah, Slack. So we, t <laughs> we thought of all that, and then, you know, we came to consensus, you know, it's a volunteer role. Um, if they had to download another software to keep track of what's happening with the club, it might create too many, like, barriers, I would say. You know, just one more thing to do, you know, just something to add to the whole list of things they already had to do. So instead, what we opted for was just literally a bunch of WhatsApp groups. So I'd have a different WhatsApp group for marketing team, different WhatsApp group for uh, event planning team, and yeah, that's how we kind of operated. So you can imagine my phone was filled with WhatsApp groups at that time. Yeah, no, like I remember for the DM Association, we did the exact same thing. I remember at the beginning, I wanted to introduce this whole structure in terms of the event planning process. Um, so we used Asana, right? And we used a couple of different things. Like if you had an idea for an event, go through a Google Forms, then I create an Asana, and then we'd have a meeting, and then we'd go through the process of making sure it's good, and then we'd actually execute the thing. Whoa. One of the challenges I found, right, was it felt like, there was so much bureaucracy and it just yeah. slowed down the entire process. Um, so as a result, like it just decided, you know what, we as a student organization, we can't afford to move slowly. Let me just break down a lot of these walls and just run a little bit more disorganized, but like at least we'll be moving a lot faster. Did you feel the same way as a student organization? Like you can't afford to move slow. You got to move fast. And how did you sort of try to foster that? That is the case. Yeah, I think what makes a successful organization, if anything, is being agile. Um, if you add a lot of bureaucracy, for example, ten different what, ten different Slack channels and five different Google Drive folders that you need to manage, and things like you said can stagnate the process of getting things done and leads to a lot of bureaucracy. And you know, your whole organization in general is not as agile as you want it to be. Um, so with my organization, I realized, you know, like kind of like what, what you mentioned, I didn't want it to be bureaucratic with so many barriers everywhere and different folders all over the place but rather i want to keep things fluid and agile because honestly running a student organization things will change here and there very often and it's up to you as a president to keep yourself and your team and your organization agile as possible to face those problems so again making make sure things are very simple and streamlined so that you know for example the marketing team had a question they knew exactly where to go to and how they'll receive the answers and again that was mainly through whatsapp chat okay uh, so in terms of leadership, right, like um, how did you identify your team members' motivations and how did you play to that? 
through various times in the years? Yeah, for sure. That's a really good question. So I think there's a couple of ways to go about it. So the first way I noticed is, you know, generally when you have team meetings, you get an idea and a feeling about the individual, what drives them, what they're really good at. And as you put on more organized, more organized events and give them certain tasks, you start to realize what are their core strengths and what they're good at. For example, I had someone who was not really as... <laughs> he's not the best at team meetings but when it came to getting things done he was always on point and willing to take initiative to get that done uh, whereas I, have n- I had another person who was really vocal very good at public speaking and if I had gave her some ambiguous project to do that involved you know coordinating people and things of that nature she thrived in that but she didn't necessarily like micromanagement for example um, so again like through these team meetings through giving tasks uh, to everyone you start realizing what they're good at what they're not but also one thing I did was one-on-ones I would often have one-on-ones with every one of my executives and just to understand like how they feel about the club where they want to go and I think the big part is like asking them like what is their goal you know um, for example one of my friends he wanted to work in the UN so that's why he joined the organization I think that was a great thing to identify when we start started with the club because I would often get him to be the student rep the club representative for whenever you know members from UNICEF Canada would ever come on campus he'd be the one representing us because I knew he wanted to go into UNICEF Canada in the future and I realized it's important for him to build those relationships so I gave him those opportunities to do that you know I feel like a lot of students students when they join organizations it's just a resume builder I'm just doing this because blah blah I'm just doing this because blah 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 and you know you have to realize that as a president like people will join this because you know it's a resume builder and it's not paid it's volunteer work but also as a president you try to identify what are their goals and how can you leverage your student organization as a platform to helping them get to where they want to be so i think that's very huge okay like so with that last point you touched on with the whole idea that a lot of students join certain organizations as sort of like a resume builder and nothing more i sort of talked we talked about this in the last episode with sarah but the idea of these people that just join it um, and are very enthusiastic at the beginning, especially through the interview process. But then once they're in it, they don't do anything. Um, so from your experience, right, like how do you identify bad actors and how do you deal with them? For sure. Yeah. So a couple of ways I went about it. So first we had like a probation period. So at the first maybe couple of months or so, they'd be on a probation. Um, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with probations are, but if they didn't meet the expectations of what was required of them, they wouldn't necessarily be able to join the club for the rest of the year. That was like my expectations. Secondly, um, I also made them sign contracts. I know for like a volunteer work and all this, contract sounds too, ooh, what is this? This is too serious, right? But honestly, it's not about it being serious. It's a perception of seriousness that you want to essentially deliver. If they see that you're taking it seriously, they're going to take it seriously themselves. But it's also important that you hold up your seriousness throughout the whole year. It's important to lead by integrity because once you fall, if you if you slip up on your seriousness and you like let things loose, then they'll see that and they'll then they'll think, you know, I can let things loose. So it's so important to have integrity when you're operating as a leader. Okay, so sort of like the whole idea of like your first impression is your last impression. You set the expectations and lead by example. Yeah, and you have to maintain consistency. I think that's a huge part. It's so easy as president when you're when everything's on your shoulder and people just don't get why you're always stressed. It's important to be like. I mean, it's so easy to just blame everyone else, uh, check out, and just say, screw it all, you know? But it's up to you as a student, as the leader to, again, like I said, lead by integrity and be consistent. Okay, so now a general question about event planning at York University, right? 
Uh, let's say sure. like you're a student that is going to an event planning position in a student organization at York University, pretty big school. I bet there's a lot of resources. What advice would you have for them in terms of the first steps they can take before the school year even starts? to be put themselves in a better position to tackle the year when it comes to event planning. Yeah, honestly, um, just in general, speak, speaking on terms of like running a student organization. So it's, it's so important that you have everything down. Like you, I realize the biggest thing why I wasn't, I could have been a little more successful with my student, organi- student organization is um, I could have planned way more during the summer that led up to the actual year. Uh, for example, um, when you're starting off is uh, when you're starting off from the summer and you're coming to the fall and you know school's about to start it's important that you know you have your positions in place uh, what their specific role will be um how will you measure kpis um what kind of events will you have like literally have the whole frame the whole structure of how you're going to operate throughout the whole year ready to go before school actually starts so when it comes time to starting school uh you can just pretty much go you know exactly what's happening because the reality is once school starts everyone's gonna be focused on their exams homework busy with classes uh they won't have much time to come to these little meetings so it's important and i'd recommend i recommended this to my next president that came up to figure your shit out at summer like every detail out so that when it comes to the fall winter term um it's pretty much just go 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 from there Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they had to add something else to it. All right, cool. Uh, so let's uh, shift the gears a little bit and talk about the webinar events that you're like. So before this episode, you said, "Hey, maybe we should touch on upon webinar events, right?" Yeah. At first, I was a little hesitant because I was like, "What the hell does that have to do with event planning?" But then I realized, like, that sort of is a feature of events, right? Especially as technology gets better, you can yeah. start to attend events from home. Um, so maybe sort of describe what you mean by webinar events. Yeah, I'll give you context of what, why I do little webinar events. So beyond my job, beyond all these student organizations and whatnot, um, right now I run a little side business where I help students find jobs. And a big part of that includes, you know, live webinars so I can teach people about certain pieces of content and then potentially sell my program. So that's what Raddy is speaking about when he mentions webinars. Okay. Um, so can you sort of go over like this, like the tech stack for that? Like what softwares and tools do you use to bring these webinar events? We'll call it webinar events, webinar events to life. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's a range of softwares there. And it really depends on you and how serious you want to take it. But speaking from my experience, the recent webinar that I did, essentially I ran like what I called a masterclass on resumes and cover letters, how to write effective resumes and cover letters that align you jobs and interviews. Um, so Basically, uh, let's talk about software. So softwares I used was uh, Zoom. Zoom is great uh, for hosting people you know, in a live webinar setting that's actually live and not randomly recorded and people lie that they're live. Anyways, that's a whole other topic. But I used Zoom. I did pay for Zoom, the upgraded plan, so that I can host as many people as I'd like in a setting because- Which one, which one? I forget the name, but it's the so second tier. Yeah, $14 or something like that. Um, so I use Zoom. I also use ConvertKit for my email marketing. So basically when people would sign in or opt in and for my webinar, whether it be like a landing page they see, um, they can receive consistent emails from that point on until the day that my webinar launched. 
uh, reminding them that, hey, you have a webinar coming up. You have a webinar coming up in 15 minutes. Uh, it's, I'm five minutes into the webinar. Um, make sure you join. And the great thing about email, this email software was everything was automated. So I can just write the emails beforehand and people would automatically receive them. Uh, this helped with my turn, turnout rate uh, of how many people actually joined the webinar because I would have consistent emails that reminded them before the webinar actually launched. Uh, that the webinar is coming up, so they would click the link and jump in. Um, other than that, I also used that platform called Lead Pages to, you know, basically for those who aren't digital marketing tech savvy or not, it's essentially a one-page website where people can look and be like, "Hey, I want to join this webinar," and give me their name and email address, and then they're signed in, signed up for the webinar. Okay, um, and so like, what have you learned? So let's talk about the actual webinar itself, right? Um, and actually executing it and running that kind of session, what have you learned over like your past sessions that you know would have been nice to know when you started? Yeah, for sure. So I'll, I'll do a comparison between live events and webinars. So live events, everyone's there, let's say workshop or whatnot. When you're organizing a workshop, you're leading it, everyone's staring at you, everyone's sitting on tables, um, just staring at you while you talk, right? But when it comes to a live webinar, it's a similar format, but there is some little differences. So again, like, like I mentioned, um, like you probably already know, it's all virtual. So I noticed when I did my webinar, a lot of people didn't show their faces. Actually, no one showed their faces except me on the actual Zoom calls itself. Now, it depends on how your settings are arranged when it comes to webinars. If you want them, if you want them to like appear their faces and whatnot, you can have those settings. But I try to go for like a as realistic as possible. But you know, I noticed um, 30 people would sign up for the webinar and 15 people would show up. So there's the inconsistency in that sake. Um, there's sometimes tech problems leading up to the actual webinar itself where maybe the, the email didn't go off or the webinar didn't even launch because Zoom is messed up or something, things of that nature. I also noticed, um, like I said before, people don't show up on camera, so it literally feels like you're speaking to a black screen, which is kind of awkward sometimes and can kind of throw you off. Um, yeah, those are just some little things that I noticed with with the webinar. Okay, um, sort of like I guess the entire process of you building up this side gig that you have, um, a lot of it is like related to sales, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and like really optimizing your sales funnel. Now, one of the things I know from a lot of conversations and observations with um, event organizers in general is one of the challenges, one of the two biggest challenges, is marketing your event, right? So to base off what you've learned throughout the entire process, what sort of tactics and strategies would you take that you know now and apply back into student organizations? 100%, yeah, that's a really good question. So the number one thing that made my event, my webinars and people who signed up and all the stuff successful was um, a skill I developed called copywriting, and which is essentially knowing the right words to sell certain things. Um, I took You can take courses on Udemy, Udemy um, there's online resources for you to learn it, but I realized the whole time, when I, even like back in the day when I was running student organizations and I was writing the posters, I could have wrote it in a way that would have got me 10 times more like a participation rate than if I were just like, if I didn't know copywriting. So I think that skill in itself, learning to know what words to use that will entice people to take action is a huge thing in itself. Um, for example, if you do a, if I did a, like for example, my virtual resume and cover letter uh, webinar, if I wrote um, on the, let's say, like little post or whatever, social media post, um, resume writing and cover letter, write your best resumes and cover letters. 
okay, cool. If I write that, it's, I mean, like, is it really enticing? Like, is it really going to get people to come and show up? It's pretty boring, right? But the way I wrote it was, um, write resumes and cover letters that will land you interviews. Or I would, I would play around with it and be like, I'll land more interviews by learning these essential techniques when writing a resume and cover letter. Little subtle differences like that, it will make people want to actually come to your event, click into the landing page, things of that nature. So I think developing the skill as a copywriter is the biggest thing I've ever learned and the best investment I took. All right, cool. Thanks for the free knowledge, you loser. Okay. <laughs> so awkward. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, uh, but, so, okay, so like, you know, like... <laughs> Like when you when you picture a sales funnel, right? Like I want to touch on this because I think again, like marketing is really freaking difficult as a student or as an event organizer in general. Uh, but especially as a student event organizer, you're sort of figuring things out. You're not like a certified event planner. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have that much experience, right? Yeah. Do you think it's worth investing in like creating an optimized sales funnel while you are a student event organizer? So what I mean by that is like maybe set up a chat bot on your Facebook page so that whenever someone comes in there, automatic message, they say something, lead them to your website, enter a mailing list, go down the whole funnel until you can get them to, let's say your end goal is like getting them to an event, right? Like, do you think it's worth trying to figure out that entire funnel and optimizing it throughout the school year if you are just a student organization? No. Why? <laughs> so honestly, it, that hypothetically that sounds great and all but honestly i think that's way too complicated than it really needs to be honestly i think the best thing to do is word of mouth so if you just want to set up a table and have people walk around and just literally tell everyone about the event and the benefits they get from the event i think that's way more effective than setting up like a whole complex funnel system where people opt into email sequences and all this stuff so i think the best way to market an event is again like i said word of mouth so maybe getting friends to invite other friends um maybe you know tabling on campus and going out of your way to actually talk to people who are walking to class and be like hey this is the event this is the three biggest benefits that you'll come out from this event plus there's free food so would you be willing to join i think um the biggest mistake not a mistake so there is a part that you need to incorporate a funnel aspect into this and this is what if I were to go back to university and start an organization, this is exactly what I would do. That would like three times the ROI in terms of attendance rate. So emails are so effective and we don't use them enough. For example, uh, a lot of student organizations, you know, people will be like, yeah, I'm down to join. Cool. Okay. Uh, join this Facebook group. Great. They forget about it because the event's in a week and they don't, don't show up. Right. Essentially, what you want to do is capture these people who are interested these leads we'll, we'll say for this example and put them into like a bowl so that when it comes time close closer to the event you can advertise the event again to this bowl of people that are already interested and you know they're more likely to show up so how does that look so for example you have a table on campus right you have like a sheet of physical piece of paper or a laptop where you can collect their emails you have someone walking around on campus being like hey this is the event this is three great things about it plus free food are you interested they say yes great you don't let them off the hook from there you you have to say like hey great since you're interested here's the sheet if you can write down your name and email address Okay, and essentially you want to have a big sheet of email addresses. So then when it comes time to close close to the event, you can send them an email and be like, hey, reminder that this event is happening. These are the three great things that you will walk away from the event from. Make sure you sign up or make sure you show up. Uh, with my student organization, I didn't really learn about email marketing back then, but we had like a newsletter and I realized 
most of the people who came to my events, and there were big events too, were mainly people from my email newsletter. That was a mind blower. And I realized a lot of student organizations don't see the, the benefit when it comes to email marketing. So in terms of funnels, I would say creating an email list is super crucial when you're trying to market these events. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, okay, that's very interesting because I, I feel like that's so I like I'm just thinking about my past experiences with mailing lists and everything like literally all we used them for was for newsletters more than anything so you're saying that that's like a sort of like a there's uh, what's it called like untapped potential in really trying to like go hard on your like utilizing your mailing list yeah exactly um there's so much untapped potential and you know you can use them you like I feel like we a lot of students when they run an organization they think emails as like newsletters send once a week and that's it right but the reality is when it comes to your emails it's a crucial time for you to develop a relationship with those specific prospects you know those people who are maybe interested or previously signed up for an event or something it's a great way to build a relationship and you don't have to just send an email and just that's it but emails can actually be used for conversations so if you include something let's say you give them like a free let's say you run a club on again resumes and cover letters right um and one day you're just like hey uh, here's a free resume template for you and three ways you can write your resumes better and it's all free here it is um, I would also love to know more about you so why don't you reply to this email since I'm an actual person behind it and tell me what is the biggest three things you struggle with your resume maybe we can have a conversation you see like this person when they receive the free template they'll be probably be like whoa this is awesome wow they're more likely to remember your organization and see great things coming out of your organization um, also when you build a when you ask them to reply and you have a con like a continuous conversation with them it just adds the more human factor so when you do send out that newsletter about the event that's happening in a, in a week or so they're so much more likely to show up than if you just randomly pump random newsletters to them you know so I think just it's a email marketing is a great way to build a relationship with your previous you know attendees or whatever it may be it just needs there's so much untapped potential again when it comes to email marketing okay okay so so okay that's that's, that's really interesting because um, I know even from my own personal experiences I look at my university emails all the mailing lists I sign up for like I get like maybe one one email and it's just like a generic email blast yeah. from a student organization about an event that's happening next week and that's it. Yeah. So, okay, that's interesting. So, how about some advice for like when you're running boots on the ground marketing operations, when you're tabling, right? Like, like sort of what do you think is a good strategy to adopt if you want to get, let, let's say your, your, your goal is to, your end game, your end goal is to get people to your events, but your goal for the, tabling is to get them to sign up for your mailing list what do you think are some good strategies you can employ while you're on the ground tabling yeah for sure so um so really break it down so the goal end goal is what to get them coming to the event right yeah. but let's break it down even farther so for example let's say you're tabling um in a popular hallway what's your first goal your first goal is to make them come to you or talk to you right and what how can you do that maybe you have some sort of raffle prize giveaway that you're doing on the spot there that'll make people want to come to you maybe you physically go out and actually talk to people in some sort of way right so having some sort of magnet there that people will actually want to 
talk to you first thing um, is going to be huge. Second of all, I think it's super important that you kind of deliver value. So maybe you have the event coming up and you need them to sign up for your email. Once they're attracted to you like a magnet, um, they come up to your table, maybe um, telling them the value they'll get from the webinar, I mean, from the event that you're about to host, or maybe giving them snacks or something like that, some sort of thing where there's a give so that they can give their email address to you. You know what I mean? So like breaking it down to some micro steps from there. And then let's say there's a week until the event itself, right? Um, what you can do from there with the, when it comes to their email marketing, you know, say so they signed up for the emails, maybe you can deliver some value content, like three, two days between the seven days that you have until the event that's coming up. For example, again, I'm gonna refer back to the resume cover letter workshop. Um, maybe an email they get after they sign up is like, hey, here's three, three strategies to write a killer cover letter. Boom, 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 enjoy. Uh, and then like two days later, they get another email saying like, um, these are the keywords that you should look out for when you're writing a resume. And that will, that'll make you, you know, on top of the resume pile, something like that, right? Something where you deliver value and they keep you on top of mind. And then let's say two days before the event, you can be put, a, put in a plug like, hey, the event's happening by the way, come join, great, awesome. Um, so that way, like, you know, it's not just like a, they sign, in, sign up for the email and they, they were reminded when the event happens, but instead, that time between when they sign up for the email and when they attend the event, they got so much value, they're, they're like fired up, they're warm, like they, they got so much value that they know this event's for them. So when it comes time to reminding them for the event, they're like, heck yeah, I'm already sold, I, I, I wish the event was yesterday. You know what I mean? Okay. So really breaking down the whole process from random stranger who's walking on to class on campus to like someone who's dying to join your uh, event. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so you, you've been using the example of a resume and cover letter workshops, right? And I think there it's very easy and clear to see what the value you get from it. You learn how to build a sick resume and cover letter. Um, and I can, it's, I think in my head, it's easy to identify what value you can give to them beforehand, before the event itself. So let's, let's try exploring other examples of events, right? Like, um, for example, how would you sort of provide value leading up to the event if it was something like a business? case competition yeah for example for sure a great way to figure out what kind of value you want to give is um literally go up to your previous attendees who have uh, attended your events and ask them literally what is the biggest struggle they have when it comes to case comps right for example Sagar, who uh, joined your last case comp that you hosted one month ago he probably had certain pains he wanted to resolve um in order and he saw your w little event as a way to figure solve that pain right? There's an underlying pain that they have and they see your event or your organization as a way to f solve that pain. For example, um, Sagar, let's use him as an example. Um, he wanted to join case comps because he didn't feel like his public speaking skills were great. So he saw the case comps as a great way to show that he's an expert and also public speak, right? So what you, what kind of content you might want to deliver is three ways to become a great presenter during case comps and just give them like a mini guide or maybe like a video of you, a recorded video of you teaching people how to give great presentations. You know, things like that. So again, let's just recap. To figure out what kind of value you wanna give, you wanna ask your audience what is their biggest pain points and literally solve that for them. Okay. Um, so how about if something's more like less about professional development and more about, you know, social? Like if you're holding like a, like a Halloween party or something, right? Like a social event. What kind of value can you provide then? 
like was your clubs like value properly what is what are you running what kind of club are you running like i feel like anyone can do like a halloween party but like um let's use the example of dem association where we're like a we were we were like a student organization that extends beyond the classroom and we explore um you know like topics related to business and technology and the main purpose is to help you expand your network and gain actual tangible hard skills beyond just the classroom so let's say we're running like a halloween event maybe the theme i mean like like literally like it's like a social event yeah right yep there's no professional development aspect to it it's just a social event so how can you utilize your strategy then yeah for sure that's a great question um so it seems like this is just those one-off events where you're just trying to want to build a community and get more people to come and you know just foster relationships with people so the thing is like before you probably even had these events you probably ran other events and people already got value in some sort of way before this event itself so for example emily who attended your past case comps she probably learned a lot she probably she already knows you likes you and trusts you so when it comes time to like advertising these one-off events they already have a relationship with you so that when you when you you know promote this little event that you have going on um it's pretty much a no-brainer right so but i i see what you mean when it comes to these little ambiguous events and whatnot um what is the value you can deliver in that sense um a great way to really advertise these sort of events is understanding what is the value prop that you deliver when it comes to your event for example this halloween event right um why okay let me ask you right why what's the value prop for this event what are your what are you giving what are the what will they walk away with yeah i I guess literally just you know the the purpose of the event is to bring together our community our segmented community and have a good time so i guess the value prop there would be come out and have a good time come out and have a good time so one of the things you mentioned is segmented community so why is that important to connect the segmented community and think from the perspective of someone attending this event why is this important for them well so when i when i say segmented community i'll like specifically for using the example of the dm association it would be students within the dem program um you know i'm sure a lot of people can agree you're sort of more connected and more fond of people within your program than outside of the program just in general so i guess the idea is hey let's bring everyone in the program together and just have a good time and why is that important to them why is it coming together with other people who are the same program as you important to them what are you really doing for them is it because you know um, is it just in terms of building a bigger network? So when there's this job opportunity, you have a bigger network to reach out to? Or is it because I mean, people are lonely and they just want to have a good time with something? Like More of like, yeah, like more like, more personal than professional. Like, less, and again, like we're just using an example of a Halloween party here, right? Like, more personal than professional. It's not so much, okay, yeah, like maybe this person will help you get a job, but more so... Hey, let's like make some new friends, right? Like make some new friends, know more people, um, build a stronger bond with the people that you already know, in a very fun social environment. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so one of the things I've learned as like a like a copywriter is understanding like the underlying reason why people would want to take action for whatever product service you have to offer, right? And there's a difference between features and benefits for example okay i'm, I'm gonna go off track here a little and incorporate this incorporate this into more of an event planning idea but when it comes to features let's say you have an app that lets you 
I don't know, you already gave me an idea. An app that lets you, what? Uh, I'll let you become a better cursive writer. Okay, I don't know, I'm making, okay. I'm making it up. Okay, a feature of this app would probably be like, you know, there's step modules and you can trace cursive writing, right? That'd be a great feature. But people are not buying your cursive writing app because of this specific feature so they can have, have access to this model. No, people are, buying this app so they can seem professional when they write letters to professional people in a cursive writing format. You see, there's a difference. So people aren't buying your app. They're buying what the app helps them achieve. Okay. So identifying, you know, you have an event going on. What is the feature? Uh, you get to meet people. Awesome. Great. That's a cool feature. But then ask yourself, so what, what is it in it for them? For example, um, maybe people come to your event not just to meet people but to build a network so they can have better job prospects in the future you know I, I mean I don't know your specific event I don't know your audience I don't know what their pain points are I don't know like you can probably even ask them like hey why do you come to this event if somebody shows up the door be like hey why do you come to this event and they'll probably be like honestly I'm just really lonely and I would really like to make some friends you know and you would not have known that but that is why people are coming to your event you know what I mean? Every, everything has a certain value prop and I think it's so super important to understand what is your specific value prop that you're offering. Uh, you might think your people are showing up for your event for one reason, for example, uh, maybe free food or maybe like building a bigger network. But the reality is they could be showing up for another reason. Uh, I know a big reason why people would show up for Eunice events uh, when I did these little Halloween get togethers is not because they're trying to like, you know, um, build a community and all that good stuff but instead they wanted to have resume they wanted to have unicef written on their resume so that you know they, they're more likely to get a job working at the un or something you know what i mean there's mm -hmm. underlying reasons that we might not even be aware of that people are coming to our events and it's important for us as event organizers to really understand the pain we're solving and what is that underlying reason why people come to our event right and do you think this sort of uh, understanding of the pain points is something that should be identified um, during the event planning process or while you're actually while like the logistics are in place now you're just promoting the event when should you actually go talk to people and ask them yo what do you want from this event I think this should happen like for example let's say you have three different events at first you probably be very you probably need people to come right so this you don't know your audience yet you don't know the specific niche that you're helping so you know run the events whatever and then after that Ask them for feedback, like, hey, what is the reason that you came? What pain are you, were you hoping that this event would solve for you? Really getting to understand, like, their mentality. Like, where were they at in their head that made them want to go, like, hey, I want to come to this event. You know what I mean? I think research and literally just talking, talking to your specific audience and talking to your attendees, getting an understanding and asking them a lot of questions, getting inside their head um, is super important. So I would say... Technically, let's say you have an event coming up, right? You should already know this stuff way before you even start marketing. You know what I mean? How? How? Again, like from previous events, if you've ever done feedback or even just talk to people or... So how, how much if it's like your first event of the school year? Yeah, that's a good point. So if it's your first event, you're probably new to all this. The things are ambiguous. You don't know specific niche that you're uh, helping, but you'll probably have to start off very ambiguous, you know? You'll probably get... You'll probably advertise something to like anyone and everyone. And then you'll start to notice that only certain types of people you are attracted to the event that you're having. For example, um, let's say Humanity First, you're having an event about, um, how, uh, I don't know, like grooming dogs, right? You blast it out there. You put it on social media. You put posters everywhere. But the reality is not everyone is going to come to your grooming dog event. 
you'll start to notice the specific types of people that generally would show up to your specific type of events. And it's important as you as an event organizer just to keep track of like, hey, these business students aren't coming, but these liberal arts students who are generally in their second year and are female uh, and who have a passion for social justice are, are popping up to my event. Hmm, that's a specific niche that uh, seems to be, you know, what I'm targeting. So how can I... So then moving forward with the other events, how can I structure everything to help that specific niche? Okay. You know? Yeah, one of the things I just realized while you're talking was like sort of, um, you know, you're approaching it, I think you're approaching it more of like a certain organization that services everyone. And I was sort of in my head when I was thinking of examples of certain organizations, I'm thinking about examples where it's very easy to identify their target, their target yeah. market. Uh, so that's really interesting. Okay, so... So, so now I sort of understand where you're coming from when you say the first event, you may not have an idea of exactly yeah. who, like, wh who you have to reach out to because yeah. you don't know yet because it's such you're casting a wide net. Exactly. Okay, so that's very interesting. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, before we move on to the inside out sessions, right? Like, any other general pieces of advice you have for people that are looking to market their events on student campuses? Yeah, for sure. So, Word of mouth is very strong. After that, I would say creating email lists. That's also huge. Um, one thing I always wanted to experiment with was um, using Facebook ads and Instagram ads to promote your specific events. Um, I've always wanted to try that. I've used that for my webinars, but never in a student organization setting. So I would, honestly, I would probably say just experiment, experiment with everything and then try to see what, work, what works for you and then 10 times down on the specific thing that works for you. So that's probably what I'd have to say. Okay, cool. All right, so let's talk about Inside Out. Can you tell me a little bit about that project and like that event and what it encapsulates? Yeah, so Inside Out was a little, pro little project. I started with my, one of my best friends from university. And our just to give you a highlight, high-level overview of what this program or, or pro this organization, not even an organization, this little project that I had going with my friend was all about. Um, so basically we got together and we realized like we were both into leadership development, self-development, things of that nature. So we wanted to essentially run little workshops to help students and recent grads develop their inner confidence and become leaders of the future, you know, rah, 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 that kind of thing. So um, for this little project, we ran two workshops and we put them through a certain curriculum and training to help them become more self-aware about themselves, learn their skill sets they have to offer to the world and help them feel more confident. So it was like a little self-development type of workshop thing we had, we had going on. Okay. Um, so I remember when I dropped by with, with, mom, with their mom. Um, yeah. It was, like, it, was, it was interesting because like it was like literally in a shed or like a guest house of someone's house. The yeah. The venue itself. So question, like where did you find that venue? Yeah, so Roddy's talking about my second session I ever ran for that project. And uh, it's just to give you guys a picture of what happened. So I put everyone, I got a venue and the venue was very small, but it was a little like, uh, what do you call it? so there's a building, right? Um, and behind the building, there was like a little separate building for art. It was dedicated to art. And there would be like uh, <laughs> look like a shed. Yeah, look like, like a really yeah, big, shed. A big shed with a bunch of artwork <laughs> everywhere, and it was for generally seniors um, to do what? art on their pastimes. That was what the room was all about. How did I find the event? Uh, I just googled it, and I called the lady, and she said, "Yeah." Wait, what'd you Google? 
I, I honestly looked for, I like Googled venues in Toronto. Then I essentially just looked through the pictures, saw what was good fit for my program. And then what was also affordable as well. And then from there, I just called, I forgot her name. And she's like, yeah, do it. And I did it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, also like one of the questions, like one of the questions I want to really explore is like, how do you find a good suitable venue for your event? So like, like what you, you Google venues in toronto yeah and then what <laughs> i literally just did research on them so like i would like, like what, website, what, 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 what popped up what popped out like what kind of websites popped oh up? like co-working spaces popped up um a lot of co-working spaces uh ve- big banquet venues things of that nature so i think like you know moving forward if i can be very specific on the types of venues that would fit my programs and search those keywords into google rather than being very ambiguous and be like venues in toronto okay like where'd you find this venue like on kijiji or what uh i was on a website i think it was like a church that ran the website <laughs> Wait, <what>? yeah <laughs> it was, it's nothing too big or fancy ready <laughs> no no because that's no, really interesting though because like like how would you go because the next question i'm about to ask is about money right okay. but before we get there like i still want to understand so you found a church website did were they advertising the fact that you could rent this venue I don't think they're proactively advertising it. They, I think they mentioned like you know, senior art room for bookings on on sale now or something something like that. And I was like, oh cool. I looked at the pictures. I was like, great, this seems good. And I called them and I booked it. So you're like, hey, I'm trying to run an event. Uh, yeah, you guys do this shit. Of course, yeah. I mean, like I had to give them a background of what we're all about, how many people we're expecting, uh, what any equipment I didn't require in there, and you know. Do that. they do this all the time, or like were you guys like first? I, th- I think they do it sometimes here and there <laughs> honestly it sounds ghetto it's actually not they're very nice it's a beautiful place and i really got a good venue <laughs> okay so you got kind of creative with it then i guess or just very straight up and resourceful i guess okay so so like so again now i'm gonna ask you about money right like how what was your budget and how much you ended up paying for this venue yeah oh i'm trying to think about that right now i, I forget if i use my own money or if i got someone else's money so I think the venue was for that three hours we booked was about like it wasn't expensive it was pretty cheap it was like about like seventy dollars <laughs> what the fuck yeah that's nothing that, yeah that's nothing yeah it was not like a ten thousand dollar venue for a conference or like literally it's a small scale little event um i th- i believe oh, i'm trying to remember if i used some i think we got some funding from this organization that sponsored us and i was able to use some of that money towards this venue cost yeah okay do you have a v oh like tech and all that stuff uh no no not really um we did have a camera crew there that came from montreal to record a documentary about us which was pretty cool but other than that we didn't have any like it wasn't very techy or anything it was literally just a bunch of worksheets people had to do and like group exercises so all we really needed was um paper pencils and a good open space okay so like in terms of your expenses it was venue paper pencils food yeah food what'd you do for food we ordered pizza how much that cost oh, i think it was like about 70 as well somewhere like that okay so like your total expenses were like 150 ish yeah it wasn't too much honestly yeah, that's not bad and uh how many people came out about 15 which is pretty good uh, i didn't want a huge huge group but a nice intimate group no okay. did they have to pay uh they didn't have to pay no okay cool uh, uh, okay I, although I did run bigger events during my time at UNICEF, but this is just a small project I did. Yeah, okay, cool. And like, tell me about the, like, that camera crew that came out. Like, who are they? 
Yeah, so they recognized our efforts and what we're all about on social media. They reached out to us and they were like, hey, we're trying to create a documentary for our school project because they were in college in Montreal. And we talked and we saw a great fit to work each with each other and they flew down here. And yeah, we grabbed lunch with them beforehand. Uh, they recorded the documentary. It's pretty cool. I don't like watching document documentary myself because I don't like watching myself talk. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so like they hit you up on more like Facebook? Yeah, yeah, it was mainly through Facebook, yeah. And how did they find out about you? Uh, so we were posting a lot of content on our social media. Um, like what? Like uh, students and like motivational quotes. And we gave like a little bio about me and my partner and what we're all about. Um, things of that nature, small things. It wasn't like I, I was trying to get them. It was more that they kind of noticed our efforts. And yeah, found us. I think a big part of it also was um, they were also like half referred to us. So there was a lady who was helping us kind of find sponsorship and things of that nature. She played a, like a small role in that. And she knew some people who were into videography and needed to record something for their project. And, you know, those people looked us up, looked us up on social media and we got connected. Okay. Um, and in terms of sponsorships, how did you guys go about finding sponsors? Yeah, so I found mine mainly through a networking event that I went to a while back. So I was job hunting at that time. And one of the organizations that was there at this little, like, conference room that I went to in order to find a job was called Chantier Jeunesse and they were from Montreal. Uh, I told them what I did like as a volunteer work with this little project. They loved it and yeah, they saw me as a good fit and chose to take me in. So were they like your only sponsor? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think they were our only sponsor. I think we tried to do a pitch competition once to get more money, but it didn't work out. Okay. And um, did you just provide like monetary support? Yeah, uh, so they provide monetary support. They also showed us some like um, event planning materials, like Excel sheets and how to keep track of different projects. So like a lot of guide on like how to plan stuff out. Okay. And did you end up losing money on the event? Losing money? Yeah. I don't think we lost mon money. And like trying to think about it, back on it, but no. How do you, you think of it? How's the event overall? Like, do you like yeah, it? Yeah, I, it was really good. I think the biggest thing, so like event planning is one aspect of it, but the biggest thing that I focused on was um, delivering the training content itself. Content was really good. I got some really great conversations going, got a lot of people to open up more often than they usually don't. Um, so that was really amazing. And yeah, the overall event was great. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm going to ask you one more question and then we can probably wrap it up. Uh, um, and the question is sort of like what three tips would you have for like a younger self going into uh, this whole event planning journey and I mean you know I was going to specifically focus on the inside out sessions but we don't have to necessarily do that we can even talk about UNICEF if you wanted to uh, so just three tips in general like what, what, what tips would you have for someone for yourself going into the whole event planning uh, yeah so it's not even going to be event planning related so learn copywriting so you can sell your programs sell whatever so you know how to write things to sell cool uh understand the pain points and what problems you solve with your events um and third of all like you know running a student organization it's volunteer work it's so easy to take things so seriously where it's almost like a freaking full-time job but reality is it's it's fun enjoy the process be present if you're having team meetings don't need to be serious all the time crack some jokes here and there so yeah, so learn copywriting, learn your target audience, like really, really know them and have fun. Have fun.
<laughs> yeah, you don't have fun? <laughs> no, I'm a very serious guy. Oh, that's Please fun to work with. Try stuff on. Now, because Sarah said the exact same thing. She wants to have more fun in the process. That's good to hear. That's a good recurring theme so far. Um, all right. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for being part of this episode. Um, do you want to like, oh. plug your social or anything? Yeah, sure. So, um, if you guys like, I mean, follow me on my Instagram. So, Alifios. So, A-L-I-F-I-O-S. Uh, follow me there. Message me if you have any, like, questions about event planning, things of that nature. I'd be happy to help out. Okay, cool. And let's send it off with one more thing. Uh, drop, like, a life-changing quote. <laughs> a life-changing quote? Um, wow, this is... Um, I'm trying to think of life changing code. Don't show up to prove, show up to improve. There we go. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, mic drop. Nice. Uh, awesome. He's so, he's so blown away right now. <laughs> he, he lost words. Oh, I'm speechless, man. Okay, well, thank you for being part of this. And, uh, You're welcome. I'm literally in the room across you, so. Yeah, so I'll see you dinner time. Yeah, I'll see you dinner time. <laughs> okay. Mom will make us dinner. Take care, bye.